Welcome to Happy Hour at the Box with CrossFit Instinct, talking all things fitness, health, wellness, food, friends, and more. Hey everyone, it's Coach Molly here. I feel like when I talked about my birth story and my pre and postpartum experience that I didn't do justice to my birth story. I really wanted to share my fitness journey and that was my main goal with the last podcast that I did on this. I felt like I wanted to go into more detail about my birth story. I am a super geek when it comes to all things birth and I absolutely love hearing everyone's birth stories, watching videos on births, seeing vlogs on births, reading about births. So I thought for the other people out there who are like me, that I would go into more details and share my birth story. On September 30th of 2019, I was 40 weeks and six days that day. I was scheduled an appointment with an OB up in Bloomington to talk about possible induction. I had been going to the birth center in Bloomington with hopes of delivering there. So this appointment to me was no big deal. I was assuming I still had over another week until I would deliver and could deliver at the birth center before we would have to think about possible induction. So this appointment was just a checkup and just to talk about options and set up a possible appointment in case I needed to be induced. That day was a beautiful fall day. It was sunny and warm. And this is actually Tim and I's second wedding anniversary. I was planning on cooking a nice dinner for Tim and I that evening. I had been up early, just enjoying the morning. Then I coached the 9 a.m. class and I had to leave around 11 to get to the appointment in Bloomington. I had had no signs of labor. I didn't have a lot of Braxton Hicks really at any point in my pregnancy. I didn't have my mucus plug come out. There was no bloody show. I just didn't even have the feeling that I was going into labor anytime soon. Of course, I was tired because I wasn't sleeping much as most pregnant women experience, not only from just insomnia, but the baby moves a lot during the nighttime and my hips absolutely killed me throughout my pregnancy and you have to sleep on your side. So you've got a billion pillows stuffed in and around you to try to make yourself comfortable. So it's pretty difficult to sleep at night. So I was tired, but feeling pretty good. I had an appointment scheduled at the birth center the day after, so on Tuesday, and we had talked about them giving me the midwife's brew, which had a whole bunch of things in it that are supposed to help bring on labor, and we were also going to do a membrane sweep to see if we could get things going. So I was pretty hopeful that I would have a baby within the next few days or half of a week. I arrived to the OB's office. They brought me back to do an ultrasound. I had a great technician. She was really fun, joking around the whole time. She said baby was looking great, but that he was measuring a little small, around 6 pounds, 10 ounces was her, her guess. I was surprised, but not worried. I was kind of relieved that I wouldn't be having a big baby. After the ultrasound, I was put into a small room and hooked up to monitors to check on if I was having any contractions and also to check on the baby's movements. And this was a non-stress test is what they called this. He moved around plenty to where they weren't concerned about that and things looked good. So I went into the little patient's room waiting for the OB to come in. The OB came in and sat down and I could just tell something was off. He did an exam on me. I just wasn't getting good vibes. He said I wasn't dilated at all. He also checked my fundal height, which is the basically the size of your, your belly. And then he told me to get dressed and left the room. So I was just feeling a little weird. And I was like, well, maybe it's just, you know, because I'm almost 41 weeks and nothing's happening. Maybe he's going to recommend that I 
get induced sooner rather than later. He came back in and he explained to me that the ultrasound made it look like the fluid was really, really low. And he said that this can be dangerous, but it's not necessarily an urgent emergency. But then he explained that he was also concerned about the baby's size and that the ultrasound can be about a pound off. So I was thinking, well, then maybe he's closer to seven pounds, 10 ounces. I wasn't thinking the other direction, but he was hinting towards that, towards our baby being closer to five pounds, 10 ounces. He also told me that he was really concerned because my fundal height hadn't grown since around 37 weeks, that it was measuring 36 centimeters at 41 weeks, which is five centimeters too small. I'm not sure why the birth center didn't say anything or catch anything, or if they just don't think it's as big of a deal if there's no other factors going on, but that is still something I'm a little confused about to this day, why that was never brought up to me. He told me he wanted me to get induced soon, and my heart was going a thousand beats per minute. I definitely was getting a little worried. I told him about my appointment that I had the following day at the birth center and was hoping that he'd be on board, but he told me he meant soon as in tonight. My head just started spinning, but I tried to remain as calm as I could. I was a little worried, but also kind of excited that we would have our baby. He called the hospital and set up a time and room for me and told me to drive home, get my husband, my things, and come right back. He told me that it needed to be done. He comforted me. He answered all the questions that I shot at him. And then a nurse came in after and explained everything to me that was going to happen that night. I left in a complete daze. This just was 180 degrees from what I was expecting and planning on. I was not planning on a hospital birth. Everything had been going perfectly up until this point, and I had not mentally prepared for an induced birth in a hospital. I called the team of midwives at the birth center to get their opinion and see what they thought, and they all agreed with the OB that it would be best if I would get induced. I was GBS positive, so I was going to have to stay at the hospital at least 48 hours after the baby's birth, which to me was a downer. I wanted to get home as quickly as I could. I drove home, got Tim, and we hurried our way back up to Bloomington to the hospital, and I spent the whole drive trying to research our best options for induction, if we had options, and just talk about what was happening. It was a complete blur. I felt like I was in shock. I didn't have time to even process my emotions. When we were getting close to the hospital, I was on the phone with one of our midwives, and she was explaining to me about all the drugs that they would probably be giving me and emailed me documents with studies and information on the drugs to help keep us informed. She was so helpful and she wasn't even working that day. I just love that group over there. They were so helpful and comforting and kind to us. When we arrived to the hospital, it all hit me. I started sobbing and got sad, worried, scared, anxious, all of it. Everything happened so quickly. We walked in and I went to the bathroom and just started crying again, even harder. Tim went to park the car and I sat alone in the lobby and was crying. He came back in and we hugged and I calmed down a little bit. We went to the labor and delivery ward and the security guard's name was Molly and Tim told me that that was a good sign. I was still crying at this point. A nurse came to take us to our room and since I was still half crying, she knew I was upset and explained that she had also had to get induced and that everything was fine to not be worried. And that did help calm me down. After we got settled into the room, I felt better and like I had come to terms with things. I think I needed to get that cry out, but it was hard because everything was happening so fast. We had to answer lots of questions and sign lots of papers. Finally, by 9 p.m., 
they placed the first dose of Cytotec in me. It's a little pill that they put near your cervix and it helps ripen and soften your cervix and helps dilate you. They wanted to do this first because I wasn't dilated at all and Pitocin doesn't help you dilate, it just helps bring on contractions. So they wanted me to take the Cytotec first. They were planning to give me four to five doses of Cytotec before they started Pitocin. And I think they give the dose every three to four hours. We tried to lay down and go to sleep. I just couldn't fall asleep. There's noises going on in the hospital room. It's not completely dark. The bed is far from comfortable. I just started to feel a little bit crampy, like period cramps coming on. And I was just a little anxious, so I could not relax enough to sleep. Time passed, and at midnight, they came in and checked me. I was only a half centimeter dilated, which was not much, and things were moving very slowly. They placed a second dose of Cytotec, and about an hour after that, I started to have even more intense cramping. It was pretty bad, like when you're on day one of your period and you're really having some bad cramps. I was hooked up to a monitor to see if I was having contractions and the nurse said that I wasn't. By about 2.30 in the morning, the cramps had gotten much, much worse and they were starting to come on really strong and then ease off for a little bit and then come on strong again and ease off. So I knew that these were probably contractions that were coming on. The nurse came in and said that I was having light contractions and they would check back around 3 a.m. to place the next dose because they didn't want to give me another one if I was still contracting. She came back and checked me around 3 a.m. and I was only dilated to one centimeter. By this time, the contractions were really bad and I was having to close my eyes and breathe through them. I had an app on my phone called the Freya app, and it was wonderful. It prompts you to press the screen when a contraction starts, and it counts for you while you breathe to help you get nice, big, deep breaths in and stay calm. And then you press the screen again when the contraction's over, so it acts as a contraction timer. But also, when the contraction is not going on, It's giving you positive affirmations and a meditation to do in between the contraction. I really enjoyed it. The contractions were at this point already every one and a half to two minutes lasting for 30 to 45 seconds, which I couldn't believe because from what I had heard, labor started off a lot slower than that. I thought they would be a lot more spaced apart And over time, they would start to get longer, more intense and closer together. But it seemed like they were already intense and so close together. The nurse came in and said she'd check back in a couple hours to see if things had calmed down and to give me another dose. She came back in around 5 a.m. And by that point, I was having to stand and hold on to a side table, swaying my hips and breathing through the contractions. She knew right away that she couldn't give me another dose just from looking at me. This was good news, however, as the drug wears off after a few hours. So by that point, it was my body doing the work and kicking into labor, not the drug. At 6 a.m., I called my doula, who I absolutely love, and I 1,000% recommend every mama hire a doula for your birth. Even if you've had multiple kids, I will be having her assist on any future births that I have. She worked with me in the middle and late times of my pregnancy and was just so helpful with questions and concerns that I had with anything. I was communicating with her throughout all of this. At 6 a.m., I decided to call her and tell her what was going on. Our plan was that things probably wouldn't start to get intense until a little while after I was on Pitocin. So I wasn't thinking she was going to come until midday on that Tuesday. But I called her and told her that I was 
already in a lot of pain and that contractions were happening very frequently. So she decided to come as soon as she could. She planned on arriving around 7 to 7.30 a.m. By the time that she arrived, it was to the point that I couldn't really talk during the contractions. They were still spaced apart about the same and still lasting just as long. And she told me that we wanted to get them longer and stronger, but the spacing between them was great. The nurses wanted to give me Pitocin at 9 a.m., and I asked if we could delay it, and they agreed. I was honestly terrified of getting on Pitocin. I have heard nothing but horror stories, and I felt like if my body was doing this on its own without the drugs, then maybe we should delay the Pitocin as long as possible. I sat in bed for a little bit while they checked me and because I was just so tired. By that point, I had been awake probably about 27 hours and hadn't eaten too much. Thankfully, Tim and I snuck in snacks to the hospital and I was munching on those early in the evening. Eventually, I got out of bed and tried to move around more during the contractions to see if it would help. I found a step stool, or maybe Hope found the step stool. Someone found the step stool and I started doing step ups <laughs> on the step stool up and down laterally. I did a few squats. We started walking up and down the hallways, really just trying to do anything to see if that would help labor pick up and get more intense. It did start to seem to be getting more intense, and it was now to the point where I was crying during the contractions. I was crying not only because of the pain, but because I was worried about how much worse things would be with Pitocin. So I was just terrified. I remember sitting on the edge of the bed and not being able to open my eyes because they were basically swollen shut from being so tired and exhausted and from crying so much and being in so much pain. I just felt so helpless, didn't really know what to expect and was scared because things were already feeling so intense and I knew that I still had so much farther to go. Thankfully, Tim and Hope just continued to encourage me throughout each contraction. They rubbed my back. They gave me sips of water and apple juice, orange juice, helped me mentally stay strong and positive and encouraged me that I could do this and that my body knew what to do and was completely capable of doing this. And that helped so much. I don't know what I would have done without those guys. The nurse came back in at 10 a.m. to start the IV for Pitocin. And I persuaded them once again to let me go at least another hour and try harder to get the contractions going. We started walking the halls and I would stop and hold on to railings during each contraction. We tried to go to what was called the nursery to look at babies to see if that would help give me some motivation. But for some reason, we couldn't see into the nursery at all. We couldn't find any little babies. With all the walking and squats and step-ups, my contractions didn't get any longer. The nurse came back in at 11, and by that point, I was just so exhausted and tired that I knew things needed to get going because my goal was to make it through this with no pain medications. And I just knew that there was no way that I could continue on like this through the middle of the night or even the next day if labor was going this slow for me. I agreed to start Pitocin, but I told them to start me as low as possible because I had heard so many horror stories of people getting put on too much Pitocin too quickly. It measures from a 1 to a 20 as far as dosing goes, and she started me on a 1 and said that each half hour they would bump it up another point. Since I was already having so many intense contractions, she said they would only take me up to a 4 and then stop and evaluate, which made me feel better. I'd been worried that they would be overly aggressive. 
about 10 minutes after they started the IV, things started to ramp up. I was now at the point of very loud moans during my contractions and I could no longer stay calm through them. Almost every single contraction made me cry, grunt, moan, and yell all at once. I sat on the edge of the bed and remember, again, not being able to see anything when I opened my eyes. I was so, so tired and I just was exhausted from no sleep, trying to work through so much pain and from crying so much. Things were getting so intense that I was scared I was going to have to get an epidural and I told Tim and Hope that I don't think I could handle much more. By 12.30, they convinced me to move into the shower and sit on the shower stool. I agreed, but moving to the shower was so hard and took such a long time. The nurses came in to wrap my IV so that I could get wet. I stripped down and Tim and Hope used the detachable shower head and kept hot water on my low back and my legs. I started to get cold, so they got a small pink tub with warm water to put my feet in. They also draped a warm, wet towel on my upper back. Hope grabbed some paper fans to give me a breeze because it was getting really steamy in the bathroom. She also brought little battery-operated tea lights, each the color of each chakra. We had the lights off, candlelights in the bathroom, and Tim got his phone and put on some relaxing music. At this point, I was really unaware of my surroundings. I guess this is at the point where they tell you you're in labor land. (laughs) I have pictures that Tim snapped quickly of me during this point, and it's still almost hard for me to look at. You can just tell the pain and tiredness that I'm going through and I just look like I've been hit by a train. (laughs) I was miserable at this point. I was unable to sit up tall. I was hunched over with my hands and head on the safety rail next to the shower, and I was so exhausted that in between the contractions, which was at this point only a few seconds, they were back to back to back to back with no rest in between, But I was so exhausted that for about three seconds in between the contractions, I would, I guess you could call it fall asleep. It was almost like passing out in between. I couldn't talk at all. I couldn't open my eyes. I was screaming and moaning. All I could think about was how loud I was being. And I was worried that the whole floor could hear me and that the nurses would be upset. It seemed like we were in there for so long. And I just couldn't believe the nurses weren't in there or checking on me. With the amount of pain I was in, I assumed I had to be close. But without the nurses coming in much, it made me worried that I wasn't close at all. Around 2 p.m., I was finally able to mutter out to Hope and Tim that I couldn't do it anymore, that I needed help. I was at my wit's end. Hope told me that my lower back was bulging out which was a sign that the baby was very low in the birth canal and that I was probably close. I wasn't sure if I should believe her because even with the horrific noises that I was making, the nurses didn't seem to think I was close. It did give me some relief knowing that this experienced doula believed in me from her evaluation, thought that I was close to finally giving birth. I somehow, again, in between contractions, voiced out that I couldn't do it, that I needed help. Hope persuaded me to move to a kneeling position. I resisted for quite some time because it was just so hard to move. I finally did, and it was the hardest thing ever to move during these back-to-back most intense contractions. As soon as I moved, I felt the baby drop. There was so much pressure on my pelvic bones and my rear end It was unbearable, and I started screaming and hyperventilating. It was around 2.20 or 2.30 at this point. It was around 2.20 or 2.30 at this point, and the nurses came in to give me an IV of antibiotics. Since I was GBS positive, I was supposed to get antibiotics round the clock. I had agreed with my OB to only get the antibiotics given to me once I was in active labor. 
the antibiotics need at least four hours to get into your system to be effective. Obviously, I was so out of it during all of this that I wasn't even thinking about the antibiotics anytime. So when they came in and mentioned that they were going to give me the antibiotics, I knew that they thought I still had at least four more hours to go. I was so discouraged because there was absolutely no way I could do this longer, let alone at least for four more hours. I was able to breath by breath in screams, basically tell them that there was no way I had that much longer, that that it was way too intense for birth to not be close. They said that they had to check me and see where I was at. The nurse tried checking me and I was literally screaming bloody murder. Getting checked for how dilated you are at that point when you're having that intensive contractions felt like I was getting my insides ripped out. It literally felt like she had knives on her hand and just twisting them inside of me. She said due to the position I was in that she couldn't get a good check and that I would have to move to the bed. I was crying and screaming because there was no way I could handle another check or even to move from the position that I was in. They told me I had no choice. I was draped over the stool in agony and another big contraction came. This time, my body started to push. I screamed, I'm pushing! And I noticed the nurses all left the room and I was so confused. Why would they leave when I was starting to push? All of a sudden, I saw about eight to 10 nurses rush into our room. A few of them came into the bathroom and they told me that I had to get to the bed. I found out later that after I had gotten checked, one of the nurses was talking to Tim and told him that she couldn't really feel how dilated I was because they think that I was fully dilated. I wish they would have told me that. (laughs) I told them that I couldn't get to the bed. There was no way. And they told me that I wasn't able to give birth in the showers, that I had to be in the bed, which I think this is such a crazy, horrible rule but I guess I can understand where they're coming from. Tim and Hope grabbed my armpits and helped me stand. I got about two feet out of the bathroom and I had another pushing contraction. I thought I was going to have him right there. I took another few steps after the contraction and another one came on. I thought I was gonna pull Hope down, all of my weight on her because I could hardly stand from the pressure. Hope is a tiny girl and I tower over her, and at that point in my pregnancy, probably double her body weight. (laughs) I started to get a little quote-unquote break for about 20 seconds between pushes and contractions, and I was finally able to make my way to the bed. During the next contractions, I remember not being able to control anything because my body was pushing so hard. It felt like my throat was going to come out of my mouth and my butthole was going to turn inside out. The noises that I was making, I didn't even know my body was capable of making these noises. I wasn't aware that your body could involuntarily scream so much. A random OB came in, got suited, and was ready for delivery. They told me that my OB was on his way, that he wasn't ready because I had been moving so fast. I finally saw him come in and get ready, and he told me that I was doing great. Each push felt like there was no way I was going to stretch enough to get the baby out. It also felt like my bones were in the way that there's no way I could get a baby out. My body was not opening enough, and I was completely and utterly exhausted. They told me I was really close, and on the next contraction, they told me to reach down and feel his head. I felt just this really squishy thing, which was his amniotic sac. On the next contraction, they broke my water, which hadn't broken yet, surprisingly, And the doctor told me that there was a good amount of meconium in it, which is poop, which can be very dangerous. The doctor explained that we would have to cut the cord as soon as it stopped pulsing, which I had requested to 
delay the cord cutting as long as possible. And he knew of my goals. So he kind of met in the middle and agreed to just wait a couple minutes until it had stopped pulsing, which was fine with me. He told us that we couldn't wait any longer than that and that the baby would have to go over to the warming table and get checked out quickly due to the meconium. After about two or three more pushes, I could see the doctor getting some type of an oil to help work him out. He started helping to stretch me out and even pulling the baby's head out a little bit. On the next push, he gently pulled his head and the rest of his body out. Our little Huxley was born at 2.54 p.m. I remember when I saw him come out, he was bluish gray. He was all squished up and wet. He had no vernix on him at all, which was surprising to me, but I guess once you're in there for 41 weeks, it might be gone by that point. He had dark, dark hair and was so tiny. He started to cry immediately, which was such a huge relief. They put him on my chest and I feel like I just collapsed into the bed. I remember being so exhausted. I just looked over at Tim, soaked in sweat, breathed a few times and closed my eyes. I was so exhausted that I could even hardly look at Huxley for very long, which now to me is actually heartbreaking. After a couple minutes, Tim cut the cord, and as soon as they did, they took Huxley away to check him out. They announced he weighed 5 pounds, 11 ounces, which was a total shock. Our tiny little man. Quickly after, they brought him back to me, and I got to hold him on my chest. I had a second, almost third-degree tear, torn outside and inside, which I'm not surprised since I had to be induced because it, everything happened so fast and so intensely. The doctor asked if I wanted an IV or meds for the pain during stitching, or I could opt for a local anesthetic, just some shots in the area to numb it. I opted for local, which hurt like hell. I swear to God that they didn't work and I could feel every single stitch that they made. It looked like he was using a fish hook and a thick, thick thread. I will never forget that. It felt like it took him forever, and I remember feeling like he was stitching on my thigh, so I was worried that I had had a huge tear. (laughs) It felt like it took him forever, but it helped to have our sweet baby in my arms. It was such a relief when he was finished and I could finally relax. We finally had our baby, Huxley Wells Hahn. Little did we know, we wouldn't be going home for a while. Huxley ended up having a lot of troubles with his blood sugar, and he was also very jaundiced. We had about 24 hours with him in our room, and we could tell each time the nurses would come in that things were looking a little more and more grim for him. My mom had come up to see him and she was there when they came in and told us they were going to have to take him to the NICU. We found out at that moment that the nursery, which we thought we would find new cute babies in, is actually the NICU. They just have a different name for it there, maybe to make it seem less scary. So we had to drop him off at the NICU, and that was the worst feeling maybe that I've ever experienced in my life. Having your brand new baby taken away from you and put in an incubator with IVs and cords taped and needles in him all alone was completely heartbreaking. They came back in a few hours to get us as they wanted me to continue to breastfeed Huxley. But as soon as I was done feeding him, which was on a time limit, he had to go back in the incubator. Seeing him in there by himself, this is going to make me cry again. (laughs) Seeing him in there alone. Not being able to hold him after he'd been with me 
for almost 10 months. And he literally slept in my shirt for those 24 hours since he had been birthed. To see him alone in the incubator was so horrible. He had these little goggles on he had to wear because of the lights that they put on him to help with the bilirubin levels from being jaundice was so hard to see and his skin was getting all dried up from the lights having to put him back in there not being able to hold him or touch him was so horrible He was so small at this point that they wanted me to nurse him and then go back to the room and pump so that I would have extra milk to bottle feed him with after he was done nursing. He was also really sleepy and tired at this point because of all the issues he was having, so it was a lot of work for him to breastfeed. So it was easier for him to get calories by bottle. So our routine was every three hours, we would go to the NICU, I would nurse him and bottle feed him, and we only had a half hour. And then we'd go back to the room, I would have to clean all my pump parts, start pumping, which took, you know, over a half hour in total, use the restroom, try to get a bite to eat, see if I could sleep, and then go back and do it all over again. Huxley was also having to get blood drawn every three hours. They would prick his heel and draw blood to test his blood sugar levels. And they did this every single day for three, every three hours. His heels looked horrible. It looked like someone had taken knives to his heels and cut him over and over and over and over again. It was a nightmare when we would come in the NICU. We could hear him screaming. And I knew his little cry. And all I wanted to do was go comfort him, but I couldn't because they were trying to do the tests on him. Holding him was an ordeal because we had to make sure all the wires were out of the way. And he had little monitors on to check his heart rate, his oxygen levels. And those would go off and give me a heart attack because I would think something was wrong. It was just awful. Thankfully, a little past one day of him being in the incubator, his bilirubin levels had improved so he could get out of the incubator, but he still had to stay in the NICU. So what changed with this was that we were able to hold him whenever we wanted. I knew the benefits of skin to skin, so my goal was to have him skin to skin with myself or Tim Round the clock. We literally spent every second in there with him, and that shortened our amount of time to try to sleep and eat, but we knew that he was our number one priority. We had a nurse that was not the greatest and was a little rough with us, and she wanted us to go back and get some sleep and said that we don't need to be with him that much, that we need to also rest, which I understand where she was coming from, but maybe she hasn't had a baby in the NICU before. So there was one period of time, one three-hour stretch, where Tim and I both went back to the room to try to sleep, which of course I could not sleep. I don't think I slept more than an hour per day. And that was over several attempts to sleep throughout the day for that whole time that we were there, which was about a week. And that time that we both went back and he was alone and didn't have skin to skin, he failed his test, which meant everything was prolonged. It was at that point that we decided 
it wasn't worth it to get a little sleep for ourselves that we knew we could sleep once he was better. So we decided to take shifts where I would be there for three hours with him. Then Tim would be there for the next hour and a half or so because I had to nurse him and took me a little longer to be there every time because I had to feed him. We had to first get him to the point where he was stable. I don't even remember what was going on at that point, but he eventually had to pass eight tests in a row with his blood sugar levels. And he would pass one, two, or three of them, and then we'd have a bad test and we'd start back at square one. And that happened multiple times. It felt like there was no end in sight and he was never going to come home with us. And, you know, we didn't know how severe everything was. And I don't know if they're not legally allowed to promise us anything, but I was still scared that there was a chance he could die. We finally started to have a good streak by Friday afternoon. He finally got to the point where he'd passed four, then five, then six, then seven, and then finally eight tests. And I can't tell you how happy we were. They had found out that he had some type of an infection as well. So they weren't sure that even though he passed the eight tests, they weren't sure if he was going to be able to come home because of the infection. So it was just one slam after another. At this point, thank God, he was able to move back into our hospital room. That was the best feeling ever, to have our baby back with us. We didn't for one second put him into his bassinet, except for when we got a couple pictures of him. We didn't want to set him down ever again. We had to wait all the way until about 7 o'clock on Saturday night to find out the results of what was going on with the infection and if he was going to have to go back into the NICU or not. We finally got word that everything was okay and that we could go home. I don't think I've ever been happier in my life. When that became a reality, it was the best feeling ever. Getting to get loaded into the car and put Sweet Huxley in there was so amazing. We hadn't been out in fresh air all week. We hadn't left the hospital. I mean, we were in a different world that whole week. The drive home was amazing. I remember we didn't stop talking and were just so excited. And I couldn't stop staring at Huxley. He was still just like new to us at this point, especially not being in a NICU setting. We didn't get home till about 9.30 p.m. and it was a whirlwind. I didn't know where anything was. I had to sterilize all my pump parts. I had just, we weren't prepared. <laughs> Even though I had everything ready, I still didn't know where everything was. And it was terrifying, honestly, being at home without nurses around and without monitors on him. It just was scary that something was still going to go wrong. Thank God we got through that. And the first couple weeks were very tough adjusting to new life with him. And I was still having to breastfeed, then pump, then bottle feed round the clock. So the first few weeks, there was virtually no time to sleep. When I finally got told that I could just solely breastfeed him, that was some amazing news and such a relief. Huxley was cluster feeding for the first, honestly, about three or four months. And then after that, he started to go maybe every two to three hours during the day and at night. And that went on until he was six months old and we finally decided to do some sleep training with him and thank God it worked. It was a more gentle approach than some others I've seen out there because the first six months of his life, I feel like I was in a complete daze and not myself because he just 
never, ever slept and nursed around the clock. I don't know if the NICU had something to do with that or his size being small had something to do with that. But all I can say is that I'm so grateful he sleeps through the night now. We used the Taking Care of Babies program if any of you guys are interested in that or have questions about that. One other thing that I would like to add in is that we did have one nurse in particular at the NICU who was literally an angel to us. She was the sweetest human being we've ever met. And she knew exactly the words to say to us, to comfort us, to give us hope, to inspire us, to keep us strong. And she took care of Huxley like he was her own. I'm recording this after the fact. If you hear Huxley in the background, there he is. Um, that's what that noise is. But I just wanted to make sure and mention her. Her name is Joan and I still stay in contact with her. I would be so angry with myself <laughs> if I didn't mention her at all because she was our angel at that time. I just absolutely adore her and she is 100% doing her calling because she helped us so, so much. And I truly believe a lot of the reason that Huxley did so well when he was under her care is because of her healing energy. So Joan, I just want to say thank you so much. And to all the other NICU nurses out there that you guys are doing God's work and have helped so many parents and children. Thank you. This wound up being way longer than I thought it would be. And I was not expecting to get so emotional but I know it's probably good for me to get that out. I also want to share that I am seeing a counselor to help deal with all of the things I went through as far as the scare with having intrauterine growth restriction, which is what they diagnosed me with and why I had to get induced. For me, I thought my birth was really traumatic as well as the NICU stay and some of the time postpartum. I just want to share that because I want to encourage other moms to not be afraid to seek out help and deal with those things, even if you are done having kids and feel like you can put that behind you, I think it's still important to deal with those things because it definitely changes who you are and can cause further anxiety, depression, fears, and scar you. I know people who've had from the outside what seems like a perfect birth, but it still is traumatic to them in their own way. No matter what kind of birth you had, whether it seems from the outside like it was an easy birth or you didn't have any major complications, if it still doesn't sit right with you, I want to encourage you to seek out some type of guidance. Another thing I want to encourage is to get the word out about doulas who assist you through your birth and pregnancy and even postpartum. I don't think I could have gotten through with as much knowledge that I had and the strength that I got from my doula assisting me with making very educated decisions and avoiding extra interventions that were not necessary when possible. I also want to encourage pregnant moms to definitely work on thinking about and envisioning birth the way that you want it to go, but also exploring your fears and being open to the idea that your birth might not go the way that you want it to go. Of course, we don't want to think about that, but from my experience, I think I could have had a little bit better experience if I had thought about those things a little bit more beforehand. Even the NICU stay, I think I just threw that out of my mind because I didn't even want to go there. It was really difficult for me to deal with where I feel like if maybe I had heard some other birth stories similar or researched those things a little bit more that maybe I would have dealt with them a little bit easier. I also want to encourage moms to research as much as possible on natural birth, inductions, C-sections, epidurals, and 
all of those things so that you can make educated decisions. I still don't regret trying to give birth at the birth center and go completely naturally. That still is a dream of mine to go into labor naturally and give birth without any drugs to help induce me. There's nothing wrong with getting an epidural. There are side effects and you can easily research that. There, there's many reasons I wanted to avoid getting an epidural, not only for side effects on myself, but the baby. Not all women experience those, but there's a chance of it. So I figured if I could tough it out, that that would be what would be best for me and my baby. I almost think looking back now, if I would have known I was going to have to stay up there for so long and deal with the NICU, it may have been an advantage for me to be a little less stressed from the birth to help me get through the NICU stay. So just know that I am not opposed to epidurals and drugs to help deal with pain because there is a time and place for that. It just depends on your unique situation. For my next birth, whenever that is, and if it happens, I am going to be open to everything and anything. I will obviously have my own goals in mind, but you have to have an open mindset going into birth because you're not in control at all. I think that's all I have to say for now. If you've stuck with it this whole time, I appreciate you listening. If you want to be featured on here and want to share your birth story or anything related to that, please let me know. I would love to hear from more mamas out there. And I plan on interviewing a lot of you guys who I do know that are moms and would love to hear your stories. Make sure you follow us on Facebook and Instagram, subscribe to our YouTube and get a hold of us if you'd like to get our gym emails. Stay in the loop of all things instinct.